This is the Mediocre Men Podcast. Mediocre Men, Great Big God. Give us some men who know the truth and who will declare the truth. Will declare from the housetops that the gospel is the power of God and the salvation. Christ must be the final Lord and not Caesar and not society. I mean, this is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is, and we don't know who we are. I am not preaching Christ to get to heaven. I am preaching Christ because I'm going, and I want to see others come with me. With regard to food shortage, yes, we did talk about food shortages. And, uh, and it's going to be real. The, the price of these sanctions is not just imposed upon Russia. It's imposed upon an awful lot of countries as well, including European countries and our country as well. You've also mentioned affordability, food affordability, yeah. and the fact that wages aren't keeping pace and we're having to pay more for our food. So that's an issue. As we look at other consequences, StatsCan tells us, Professor, that 15% of Canadians already experience a degree of food insecurity. Given what you're forecasting, what is likely to happen as far as food insecurity for Canadian families? Well, we don't think it's going to get better. Uh, in fact, in 2022, we are expecting many families, many consumers to, to be left behind as a result of, of these increases. Uh, when you look at uh, food inflation in general, and I know there's been a lot of discussion about inflation, and that's really one thing. But food inflation is, 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 is a different story altogether because of low margins, because of what's happening, the dynamics of the industry. And when you look at what's happening right now with food inflation, we're really only in the third inning of a nine-inning baseball game, really. And so we saw some of it in 2021, but really, I think the worst is yet to come. If you have uh, the proper fertilizers, and if Mother Nature cooperates. So those are big ifs. So we know what's going on with fertilizers, very expensive, hard to get. So we have to be real about that. The other, the other wild card is, is, uh, is climate, the weather. Uh, last year, uh, our crops, uh, crops in North America, Russia, and in, uh, in uh, Germany uh, were a disaster because uh, the weather was horrible. We had droughts and floodings as well. Uh, and that's why inventories are so low this year. And, uh, and so we're expecting, we're hoping that uh, the North American market will be able to produce more grains, but it's highly unlikely that 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 production will cover uh, gaps created by by the Ukraine and and Russia as well. There's there is going to be a deficit for many commodities, including wheat, corn, barley, and others as well. Well, today we're joined by a fellow friend and brother in Christ, Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy, can you share with us just a bit about who you are? Sure. Um, I am a husband. I have eight children. And uh, I'm friends with you guys. Um, we have cool friends. My, we do. Yeah. Nice my, beards, too. We'll have this. to get a picture of him on the site so that people can see his awesome beard. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I mean, my occupation, I'm a software engineer, so I do a lot of thinking all day. And, thinking uh, is good. Yeah. Well, we're glad you're with us today, Jimmy. Um, the topic today is basically prepping, but from a Christian's point of view, how it should be handled. So, right. But Glenn, really, should we be prepping? You know what, David? I'm going to say it. 
because you know how I think. If it was me, I'd live in the woods somewhere and only come out every once in a while to get coffee or something. But but that's not practical, and my wife would disagree with that. But yes, I think we should be prepping. But I think there's a right and wrong wrong way of doing it too. Right. Well, before we jump into that, though, like if we look around in our world today, there seems to be a lot of things that are happening with uh, food shortages and and other things. Can can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, I'll, I'll add a little bit to it. I mean, if anybody has been paying attention in today in the world around us today, they probably can give us all an example of something that's happening in their life when it comes to prices. But just a couple things, like fertilizer, for example. In the last year, fertilizer has almost, or it has about doubled in price. And then when you add in the, the conflict in Ukraine and Russia, where a lot of the fertilizer products come from, then you've got some of the world leaders making, telling us that there's going to be a problem. There's, there's a fertilizer shortage. Uh, if you go on YouTube, you can actually find a, a clip of the Conservative Party questioning Trudeau a few weeks ago on the dilemma that the West is having right now when it comes to fertilizer quantities and, and the rationing of feed already for their animals. So there seems to be a problem there. Um, you look at propane prices. If anybody burns propane in January, it was around in the St. John market. It was like 87 cents a, a liter. It's as of May the third. It's a dollar five. That's a huge jump. Gas. I mean, we all drive. We know how gas is. Um, as of yesterday, in the Halifax market, it was a dollar 79. I just filled up on my way here. It was about a buck 80. When I filled up, uh, and only in January it was a dollar thirty-seven, and it just keeps. I think I saw today on social media that the recording of this it's going to go up again no. by the end of the week. I can't afford that. Uh, you know what? I'm getting ready to walk to work, but you know, and then diesel. I, I, diesel's went up an insane amount. Um, in January it was a dollar forty a liter. It's now around two fifty-four. Um, I have a few farmer friends and just listening to them talk about how much it's costing them to fill. Um, and then that's going up again this weekend as well. So it's been... Yeah, diesel, you think of gas, those are our, our cars, like going to the grocery store and things like that. Diesel is all of the equipment that mines, that you know, excavators, tractors, so like agriculture, farming, mining... Basically, all like all those kinds of industries. That's diesel. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Right. So that... diesel is going up significantly than basically everything else. Like we talk about gas going up. Oh, everything's going to go up because gasoline's going up. But really, it's not gas. It's diesel that will really affect all the big rigs use diesel, all the big machinery. Yeah, it's, it's kind of concerning if you think about it. I, I worked in a job in my younger years that required all the trucks took diesel. And I remember that at that time, diesel only went up a few cents and they were panicking like, oh, what are we going to do? Right? Because we drove all over the province. Um, and I was thinking of them the other day, like, what are they doing now where, where the price of diesel, just everything you can imagine, it's going to affect the supply chain for sure. And then we burn furnace oil at, in our house. Um, which <laughs> the last time we put oil in, I mean, we put one, let's say January, we put some in February, we put some more in and that little tiny gap of time, it jumped. And then if you look at it at the beginning of the year, when this year started, it was a dollar 29 a liter as of this week, uh, the recording of this episode in the beginning of May, it was two twenty-five a liter. So a few cents. A few cents. And I just when I looked this up again, because it's been a couple months since I've had to get oil because it's getting warmer, I, I panicked a little bit like, oh, what are we going to do? Like that That's a huge jump when you've got a family and trying to keep them warm during the wintertime. And, yep. But you're seeing the strain on everything. It's funny because interest rates just went up and then some of the economic experts are saying that by July they're expecting it to be about 2%. And then by March of next year, upwards of three, three point two five percent. So you have prices going up. Go to the grocery store, and the prices there. I mean, beef, which, in my estimation, was always a cheaper cut. Yeah. 
is now a more pricier cut. Um, but not only do you have increase in price, you also have food shortages that are that is claiming to be happening. Yeah, you, you have at the beginning of this episode when it started, you would have heard the listeners would have heard Biden talking about the the food shortage that was in the supply chain issues that's going to happen around the world. And he's blaming it on the Ukrainian conflict. And then you've got a lot of uh, like Bloomberg and other business groups talking about Canada and about the severe issues that they predict will be rising from supply issues as the months go by, too. So clearly there's an issue. Yeah. Clearly there's a need to prep and uh, winter is coming, so to speak. Um, but here's the thing, is, is prepping even a biblical thing to do? I mean, there are, will be people who will push back and they're jumping to things like Matthew 6 and say, well, you know, you're not supposed to be anxious about anything. Uh, God loves you. God cares for you and he'll provide for your needs. And, and they're jumping to um, other passages where it says uh, God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. And um, or even in the book of James, where it talks about, you know, you don't even you, you have all these plans about tomorrow, but you don't even know what tomorrow brings. So is prepping even a biblical thing? Well, let's take a vote. I say yes. Jimmy, what do you say? Um, sure. Sure. That sounds like yes. <laughs> and David, what do you think? Is that how we do the voting? Right now we're we taking a vote. Yes. No. Um, right. But would, yeah, go ahead. I would say that there was a time when I thought prepping was for those people who were very anxious and they worried about the future and, uh, they wanted to stockpile everything. And I would have said, I think it's more of an emotional reaction than it is a biblical response. That's what I would have said until I dug into what the Bible actually says. Yeah. And, you know, you go through the book of Proverbs. It is filled, filled with instructions to not be a slacker and to prepare for th for times yeah because you see in proverbs 22 and 3 it says the sensible person sees danger and takes cover but the inexperienced keep going and are punished and you see that throughout proverbs yep. over and over again this this need to be prepared right and i mean the, the classic verse for, for me uh is uh, Proverbs chapter uh, 6, and also it's uh, found in Proverbs 30. Um, Proverbs 6 says, Go to the ant, you slacker. Observe its ways and become wise. Without leader, administrator, or ruler, it prepares its provisions in summer. It gathers its food during harvest. So here what we have is instruction. Consider, observe, pay attention to what? To the ant. But what's the ant doing? The ant is preparing. Preparing when? Preparing before winter. Preparing what? Preparing the food and needs that it must have before winter comes. What do you think, Jimmy? Well, you stole my point. I've got it right here. My <laughs> notes. We all prepared separate notes, and I have the same thing here. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree. Uh, in thinking about this beforehand, basically, I, I think of it, I have kind of two questions that I would ask. One, one is not uh, necessarily does the Bible tell us prepping is okay, but is, is there any principle in Scripture that that uh, we can see as a thread through the Bible to to uh, be prepared for the future? Is that is that a wise thing to be discerning about the future? Um, and then if so, yes, um, what should kind of our attitude and focus be in doing that? So, I mean, I have a whole list. Of things, um, I mean, I think the probably the number one that everyone would point to is Joseph's story. Of course, God isn't telling us today there's going to be a famine, um, but I think the principle there is, if you do know, for example, there's a famine or, or troublesome times coming, then then it's wise to prepare for that. Um, 
and of course, in Joseph's case, it wasn't just to save his own skin, so to speak, like himself, but it was for him to be a blessing to others. Um, I mean, in his case, he saved his family, he saved the, the nation of Israel. Um, in Luke 14, I, I don't have the whole scripture here, but that's where Jesus is talking about uh, counting the cost, I believe. Uh, I don't have, yeah, I don't have the exact scripture here, but I'm pretty sure that's the one. Um, in context, he's he's talking about count, count, counting the cost of becoming a disciple. But again, I think the principle underlying that is well, you should you should be aware of the future, and if you're going to make decisions, you should count the cost of making those decisions. For example, if you're not going to prepare, then you need to count the cost of not preparing for the potential of you know, things happening. Um, so yeah, I mean, I agree that I have a whole other other things. Luke 12, uh, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say a rainstorm is coming. Um, he's talking to, I think, the Pharisees, and calls them hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky, but how can you not know how to interpret the present time? Talking about his coming, but again, I think that principle, the principle is there, right? Yeah. Um, the fig tree in Mark 13, seeing the fig tree, um, again, seeing the signs of, of the seasons and knowing what's coming, I think, prepared for that. Uh, yeah. You bring up you bring up a really good point there, um, that uh, as, as we're studying scripture, we need to look at the principles, the threads that go throughout it. Do do we see something like prepping for the future? Do we do we see examples of it throughout scripture? And you, you bring up a really good one, and that is Joseph. Uh, Joseph is a, is a great example of uh, actually someone who was warned ahead of time. And then took the excess and store that because he knew famine was coming. So yeah, you bring up a really good point, and that's even a practical thing, even outside of prepping, is look for those threads, those principles of scripture. Yeah, and you notice a common theme ahead of every scripture we've referenced so far. And Jimmy, you see this this diligence, this this calmness, this this level-headed approach to looking at it, right? Like, and Proverbs twenty-one touches on that when it says the plans of the diligent certainly lead to profit. So you see the contrast between when when someone when you tell most people out there I'm a prepper or whatever, they immediately get this oh where's your bunker, you know like and, and where's your a thousand cans of beans and, and your 20 tins of SKS ammo or something like that, right? That's immediately where the hit goes. But then if you see the, the theme throughout scripture, there was a diligence, there was a planning, there was, you see something coming, you, you get ready for it. And we're instructed like in first Timothy five and eight, and we've, we all know this, we've, we've got kids and, and we're all married, but if anyone does not provide for his own, that is his own household. He has denied the faith and is worse than a non-believer. Right, so there, there's a seriousness to it that we we should be thinking, we should be paying attention to our what's going on. Right. And yeah. What I was uh, when we when I was preparing this and and studying this topic more, um, what I always do any 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 given topic is one I I study my Bible and, and figure out what it's saying, but two I I ask my wife, and I ask my wife about the topic, and one thing that she said was, the Proverbs 31 woman was a prepper. Yeah. So this isn't just for guys. This is for guys and women. Yeah. And um, she actually mentioned uh, your wife, Jimmy, and uh, how your wife is very much, um, you know, she makes everything from scratch, uh, very devoted to her family, very much um, preparing for your your family and, and, and times to come. Yeah. So... Um, so Prepping is a pretty interesting subject, is an interesting topic. Um, you, you're, you're definitely right, because my mind automatically went, when I thought of preppers, I thought of the, the bunker. <laughs> um, and there is a mentality that can be there. So how do we as Christians kind of safeguard ourselves from that? Like, how should we be approaching this, preparing for, for troublesome times? 
That's a good question. Everyone's looking at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can go first. Yeah. yeah, you go first. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think Matthew six, is, which actually you mentioned, is could could be used, I think, out of context as a or, you know, in opposition to prepping. Um, but above all, pursues kingdom and righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Today has enough trouble of its own. And, uh, you know, are they incompatible? Preparing for the future, yet not worrying? You know, was Joseph, for example, worried? Maybe. But there probably were times when he knew that God told me this was going to happen. And then when he actually saw it happen, like started experiencing the you know, seven years of, of having served, you know, the seven years of plenty. Um, and then, you know, once, once you kind of shifted to the famine, even though, you know, you could be worried in those times of the future or even when you're in the famine, worried about the famine. I mean, if you have, if he, you know, he had God tell him that was going to happen. So I, I would imagine that there would be comfort in that and, um, so I don't think they're incompatible. I think you can trust God. Um, you know, he's sovereign and yet still prepare for the future. Um, I really like the scripture that you had uh, from First Timothy. If anyone does not provide for his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's pretty powerful, I think. I wasn't even thinking of that scripture when, when I was thinking of the topic. Yeah, that's that's a good one, I think. And then Proverbs 21, I have uh, 31. A horse is prepared for the day of battle, but the victory is from the Lord. So we're still at, we're, you still prepare the horse, you prepare for the battle, but the victory is from the Lord. I think that one's just kind of pretty straightforward. <laughs> okay. so, yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting because on the Matthew 6, it, passage the baptist theologian john gill could say about verse 31 it is lawful to take proper care and thought for present food drink and raiment but not to be anxiously concerned for future for the future which kind of sums up what you just said too jimmy right and you see it too in uh in philippians philippians kind of summarizes maybe the the attitude too that we should take when in first um 12 Philippians 4 and 12, it says, I know both how to have a little and I know how to have a lot in any and all circumstances. I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. So you see our focus, even in the prepping, it should be on Christ. And to remember at the end of the day, he is in control. Yep. Yep. So it's, it's very interesting as I step back, um, because... Those who say, you know, um, we, we really shouldn't be prepping because, well, God will just take care of us. And I mean, there seems to be clear scripture. And uh, one thing that we need, need to understand when we, when we read the Bible is that scripture cannot contradict scripture. So if you're going to use Matthew 6 as a proof text to say we shouldn't be prepping, well, then you need to start throwing out the book of Proverbs and yeah. other verses, because clearly there is teaching here that we should be prepping. So obviously then Matthew 6 is bringing up something different. And it, it's really what it's bringing up is, is not that prepping is bad, but that we shouldn't be anxious. We shouldn't be worried as we uh, prepare, right? Because God is there. God will care for us. Um, God, uh, even if we didn't have that extra can of beans, well, he'll make sure we have what we need or we'll have friends around us that will help us. Um, another, another important thing with, um, with this topic is just the, the clear scripture when it, when it talks about being alert your time uh, being sensible 
Uh, Proverbs 27, verse 12 says, A sensible person sees danger and takes cover. The inexperienced keep going and are punished. So uh, you, you mentioned that verse, Glenn. Um, a sensible person, a wise person, an understanding person, somebody who understands the times, sees danger. They see what's around them. Be aware. Yeah. Be aware. And it's interesting, too, because you, you, if you go on YouTube and stuff, you see a lot of these guys... And women that are, are preppers, but they're they're like lone wolf type of preppers, um, and they think that they're gonna conquer the world on their own type thing, which is completely contrary to scripture, I think. And it's important to have that network of people that you can rely on. I, I know in Canada they like the, the people. Some people like to call them the, the mags and mutual assistance groups, where they everybody has a skill and they come together. But you look at Acts chapter two, and, and you kind of see the model that we should be doing. If someone needs a need, we help them, and we should be. While it's good to have the immediate food and stuff that you need for your families, which is extremely important, then we need to remember our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ too, and work as a family. Great. Community is important. Yes. And in, in all areas of life. Um. So I, I think the case can be clearly made that preparing for the future, preparing for winter, um, is wise. I mean, Proverbs 6, go to the ant or sluggard and, and consider its ways. Um, it prepares its food when we have what, what it needs, so that when it doesn't have what it needs, it has what it needs. Um, but here's the a, here's a thing. Maybe some of us don't understand or know ways that we can prepare ourselves. So yeah. how, how do we do it? Some people, when they think of it, because of society around us and what is often characterized as a prepper, they kind of panic a little bit inside and say, I have no skills, I have no ability to do anything. Where do I start? Um, number one, in, in my opinion, is your, your mental health. <laughs> and if something does happen... Do you have the mental fortitude about you to help your family and take care of them and and, and be there for them? That's that's number one. Um, and also, kind of pause here for a second and say, if anybody, I want to give a book away. It's been a while since I read it, and the book is called The Survivors Club by Ben Sherwood. And that book, it's it's not a Christian book, but it gets into a lot of the science about how important it is to be mental aware, be healthy, basically, and, and take care of yourself. That's number one in prepping. But then, and I'm sure you guys can all think of examples, but it doesn't even have to be a major disaster, like fire. Like, do you have a house plan right now? If your house, if you were to wake up in the middle of the night and your house is on fire, do your kids who are in separate rooms know what to do know how to handle if they see smoke coming in their bedroom like my house came with a plan that's good <laughs> it was uh so the house that we're in is for farmhands and so it, it's a it's a needed thing for them yeah. um but yeah my mine did so but have i taught uh my daughter that or or my, my wife um that, that's probably something i should be doing yeah, it's it's a good a good thing to get into, and we rearranged my little girl's bedroom within the last month, and it's now even easier for her to access her window if she has to, right? But that that's just one of the things. Prepper isn't always about stockpiling stuff. It's about being prepared. It's taking care of your family, which is included in keeping them safe. So, Jimmy, what what's some ways that you prepare your family? Hmm. Well, since we have. Uh a 10-person family, uh, food, you know, every, every time we go to the grocery store, we can just get some cans of whatever or extra things, um, and through that, um, we, we use um, cast iron pots and pans, just we kind of like using them anyways. But I think, uh, was it last year? It was within the last couple of years. Uh, we had like a power outage for like a week or so, I think. 
it was quite a, quite a few days. Um, so yeah, we didn't have power for a few days. Uh, somebody lent us a generator after I don't know, a couple of days or so, but but yeah, I mean for us, we were able to just kind of go out in our backyard and start a fire and cook from a, from a cast iron pot, like a roast or whatever, right? So, I mean that, like you know, practically that that's just one thing I think people may not think about is how do you cook food if there's no power, right? For whatever reason. Yeah. Um, cast iron pot is just, it's a great asset to have because you can even start a fire. And uh, how, how you would use it is you would kind of put the coals around it, but then you would also put some of the coals on top of it. And the, cat, the, the pot and the lid absorbs the heat. So you have heat uh, from, from all around. So yeah, it cooks, cooks whatever you put in there pretty good. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's just one of those things. Like I would have never thought of that unless, unless I've like actually experienced it. And that's that's my wife who's who's on top of that stuff. It's interesting um, that you say that because it, it's it's my wife too that is on top of those things more than I am. Yeah. Um. So when uh, in my car when I was single and then when I was uh, dating her and then um, before I was married there wasn't a safety kit in my car right if i if i if i i guess if i hit the ditch or if i stalled or something uh, i don't know what would have happened it was actually uh my wife that bought me one uh so that if anything bad happened um on my commute to and from um i'd be ready and and have something there to kind of take care of myself until help arrived that it's, I think is one thing a lot of people forget about. And if you think of some of the snowstorms that Nova Scotia has had in the past and people getting stuck on the highways for hours at a time, you're going to want to weigh, like some people will suggest keeping a blanket in the trunk of your car, especially in wintertime, another way to keep warm, some water, some extra food. So if you are stranded, then you're going to be all right until you can get out of your situation. Yeah, especially in the winters. Yeah. Uh, I guess it depends where you live. If you're stuck in a snowstorm and you couldn't, you know, go off, go off the side of the road or, or whatever, right? Yeah. It's good to have some blankets and whatever food. <laughs> yeah. It's good to have. And it's, uh, if anyone wants to put together a car kit or even a 72-hour kit on their own, they can actually go to getprepared.gc.ca. And under the emergency kits, kits tab, there's an actual checklist of things that you can put in your kit and then some suggestions of other things that you may want to put in your kit. So it's worth taking the time to check that out if people aren't sure what they should do. That's really, that's a really good um, piece of advice there. Yeah. And because, um, I mean, we were talking about snowstorms and, and other, other um, natural things. I, I was kind of thinking back to, I think it was what, two, three years ago when the hur hurricane happened and um it, it caught me unprepared yeah um first of all i kind of mocked it because i'm like oh you know it's just a wind and then the power line went down and then power went out and well, now there's no power to do the fridge and there's no power to cook and and we were sleeping underneath the cover kind of shivering a little bit yeah so. well and that's the thing like a lot of us don't think and it's hard where we're living right now to have an alternate form of heat. But if the power does go out and it's out for a week or whatever, like what are you going to do for to keep your family warm, mm -hmm. to keep water? They, they suggest at least about four liters of water per person per day for a household. But that includes two liters of drinking water, which we probably should be drinking that, but often we don't. And then the other two for just sanitary reasons, for cleaning dishes and hands and stuff like that. And how many of us have enough water at our access, like at our fingertips to support our family? Um, I know for me personally, I'm always thinking about certain things. And if the power did go out for a long time, we do have a little bit of water stored up. But then I know where there's some fresh water running too, that if I have to, I'll grab a bucket and go get some. Yeah. Yeah, there's the, uh, what's it called? I forget, it's a special kind of filter. Like it's a really superior filter. 
there's a name for it, I forget. But anyways, there's like a you know really good water filter that you can get that's I think lasts years. And then there's the like straw, pipe straw or whatever it's called. Yeah. Where you yep. can just like drink from a puddle and it <laughs> takes out like basically all the bad stuff. Like that's just little things like that, right? It's like if you can just stock up a little bit here and there on those kinds of things too. Right. And I mean, you bring it up something good too, stocking up, right? Because we mentioned in, in the beginning, there is food shortages that is happening. So how do you stock up to kind of prepare ourselves for that? Jimmy mentioned it a little bit earlier, I think, when he went to go to the store and buy a couple extra cans of stuff. And I think that is that is right. Like when we try to do it too, we'll go out and grab a couple cans of this or a bigger bag of rice. Right, and well, some of this dry good food. I mean, if some people, if you're, if you plan to buy a lot of rice, or flour, or sugars, there, there's ways to preserve it, to get the air out of it, so that it'll last longer. If you're gonna do something like that, um, in our family, it generally doesn't last that long. But um, I, Jimmy probably can relate. Yeah. He's got more kids than I do. But <laughs> there seems to be a, a, a push that's happening, uh, kind of more living off the land. Yes. Right. So having your own chickens who, uh, which can lay eggs, um, having your own garden, uh, those kind of things. I think that's very important. Um, if you can plant a garden, plant a garden and plant as much as you can uh, and then bottle it, preserve it what you can at the end of the year. Uh, and then not everyone can do this, but if you have access to get a pig or something like that or an animal, uh, to keep on your property and raise that that may help if the food prices continue to go up and diesel continues to go up who knows what the supply chain is going to look like in another five months um, so it's a good idea for the sick your family to be thinking about it and like for me uh, where I live I don't have access or the ability to have a pig but I reached out a friend of mine is getting a pig so I said here I want one too so I'm going to help him raise it, but he's going to keep it on his property. Uh, so stuff like that, if you have the opportunity um, to do, you should do it. Yeah, and then like the, like we have room for, for a garden. We've got a few chickens. We'd like to get some more. Yeah. I mean, we still have like uh, other houses, you know, close enough where we can see them. Um, well, I mean, one person's right pretty much on our driveway, but, uh, yeah, like it's, it's not even, I mean, like it's, it's good to, to, uh, dehydrate food maybe, or, or I don't want to say freeze dry cause we were actually looking at how getting a freeze dryer and they're just unbelievably expensive. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, just, just. If you do have kids, or even for yourself, even just to to learn how to garden, because it does take you know takes time. We've been gardening for years, and we're still learning things. And so you know, it's like it's not good if let's say a disaster or something happens, and then you're you're kind of stuck with oh, what do I do now? Like okay, I guess I'm gonna start a garden, but I have no idea. I've never done it hands-on experience so it's good to, to 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 do these things now um i haven't done this explicitly but one thing i think would be a good idea is with your family just say we're going to turn the power off for like two days turn the main breaker off and like we're gonna just do a test run to you know what would we do if we had no power yeah for two days or, or day, whatever right just just to like do it and then maybe I don't want to say build muscle memory, but build muscle memory. <laughs> that's, I guess, the idea, right? So. Right. And, and that's extremely important, Jimmy, because I think a lot of people get into the prepper mindset and they start stockpiling whatever with good intentions, but then if a disaster or something does happen and the power is out for a week, then they haven't practiced it, so now they, they panic a little bit. Yeah, and this comes back to what you were saying, the mental fortitude. Like yeah. that, that's basically exactly what it is. Yeah. It's like if you, I guess that's why if you're in the military, you do drills. If you're, you do fire drills, you do right those kind of basically a drill. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. 
I've already told my boys and my little girl that this summer is going to be full of activities of they're going to have to learn how to start fires in different ways. And then when the next big rainstorm we get, they're going out and starting a fire in it because it's a good skill to have because we're talking about, and this kind of gets into the next topic, and this is probably the most controversial one among the preppers is this, this bug out mentality. Bug out mentality. Um, bug out, which I, I'm a, I love the woods. So when I hear bug out, it's like, cool, when are we going? Right? But it's not always a practical thing, especially if you got a lot of kids. And I think that's that's why it's important. My kids, I'll take them on hikes. And, and when they get tired, I'll tell them, let's go a little bit further, kids. So each time they build up that, that tolerance. So if something does happen and there's a disaster and you need to leave your home, you may have a car kit, but now do you have a bag to throw on your back and get out of the house if it comes to that? Which, I'll go first. All of my kids have one. <laughs> all your kids. They all do, and they all have, I think i got to get one more, but they all also have life straws. Um, so each pack, they have a life straw in it. So is this a, is this a confessional? Because uh, I, I have a bug out bag, too. Do you really? I do. I didn't know that. I, I share it with uh, my family Yeah. because I'm poor. But uh, oh, it's taken yeah. many many months and years to accumulate what I've got. So okay. yeah, we were we were worried about other reasons. So uh, we 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 had one just in case, just yeah. in case we had it had a run. Yeah. Um, and uh, the the wonderful thing about a bug out bag is even if you don't need it, it's good to have because you can go camping and you can use those supplies. Yeah. I'll actually tell the boys every once in a while just to make sure they know where their bag is. Boys, grab your bags. We're going to go. And you watch them. They're gone. And they, So it's good to practice even that. Where's your bag? Are you ready? Yeah. Do you have a bug out bag? No, not yet. Well, we can we talk. talked about it. But... We can help you put one together if you want. <laughs> and I'm sure you guys are listening. We can put something in the, in the show notes to kind of give you some advice of what to put in a bag. Yeah, we'll put some links and stuff. But on that note, and I know we were kind of we're at 38 minutes now, but I love this topic. I, I, I think I think a 30 minute thing is just not happening. You know, I, I don't think they're just going to have to be okay with having longer episodes. It's looking like that. Sorry, people, but yeah. So the next question is: It biblical to run? I've had this discussion with some family members. They're like, "No, Glenn, if if the Gestapo or whatever you want to say." wants to take us away then we're gonna we're gonna accept that but is that always is that cut and dry in scripture i don't think it is and i don't even think it's um clear-cut all throughout even church history no um because um in times of persecution um some people decided to flee to the woods uh to to be um, in, in places that uh, were out of people's eyesight, right? So this is it, it's, it, it's not a clear-cut um, thing. No, and you see Moses did it. I mean, they all did it for different reasons, but when Moses was afraid of Pharaoh after what he did, he took off to, to we can say, the wilderness. Um, and then you see Elijah... When Jezebel was threatening to kill him, what did he do? He took off into the mountains. Uh, and then you've got the two spies as well. After they, the after the enemies were looking for them, the, the lady that kind of took them in said, go and hid for the mountain and stay there for three days until they come back and then the danger is passed and then go to your, to your to the people, basically. And then you even see it in the New Testament. In Luke 21, the... The context, we won't really get into the context tonight, but you see the theme again. Uh, when enemies are surrounding Israel, those in Judea must flee to the mountains. Right? So you do see, I mean, at the end of the day, if God wants you to be used in a prison cell like Paul was, then that's going to happen. Right? But if he has given you the opportunity to bug out because someone's coming after you for whatever the government is, whatever reason, I mean... You don't have to spend a half hour on Google and history of persecution of people to figure out reasons why you may have to run in the woods. 
Uh, it happened in World War II. I know I'm kind of talking too long here, but you got some of the Jewish people in, in Germany and stuff. There was a couple brothers. I wish I could remember their names, but they gathered up as many Jews as they could and they hid it for the woods. And there, you can watch depictions of it on YouTube and stuff of, of what happened to them. It's not pretty. People died, right? But they they took off. Well, I mean, one of the verses that we read now is going to be, I'll, I'll read it again. A sensible person sees danger and takes cover. Yeah. The inexperienced keep going and are punished. So, I mean, yes, there's a clear verse right here that can give us permission to bug out. Yeah, and I think it's something people should take into consideration. They should have a place where they're going to go. I know my brother-in-law, when he lived in the city, I used to bug him all the time. It's like, Daniel, you live here. You need to get here to the Annapolis Valley. Do you know the route you're going to take through the woods to get here? It's going to take you a few days, and we'll try to help you if we can. But do you have – and sure enough, yeah, Glenn, I've looked at it, and I think that's something – Right? Because, I mean, we don't know what could happen. It could be something where our vehicles are inoperable. So you don't have the ability to drive to wherever you're going. Do you have a path to get out of your house, basically, if need be? Well, on, on that thought, why don't we uh, wrap up and... We're just getting started. Oh. <laughs> but no, yes, we should. I do have a quick point um, that I'll just throw in there. Because you asked, like, what, what are we doing? And this, this is kind of something that's long, long term, I guess. But, like, for us, we, my wife and I both had, had student loans. And then we, uh, basically, the government gives you the ability to not pay the not pay, they'll pay the interest and you don't have to pay the principal for, I forget, 10 years or something like that. Um, and then once we started having to pay for our, for our, uh, for our loans, we quickly realized, well, hey, it's not good. Um, and then we, we came across, I forget how it happened, I think my wife just somehow got, found the book, or I forget, but um, I don't know if you've heard of Dave Ramsey. He wrote a book called The Total Money Makeover. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but this was years ago. I don't know. I don't know how many years ago. But, but yeah, yeah, we we basically just you know normal normal people handling money really poorly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we basically Dave Ramsey has a whole. Uh, Debt snowball, I think is what he calls it. Yeah. Whole kind of uh, steps to to getting out of debt and kind of the, of course the, the preamble is 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 debt good and how's the Bible talk about that? Dave Ramsey's a Christian, so he brings in scripture. Um, you know, the borrow, borrow, the borrower is slave to the lender, just of those kinds of things, right? So. Dave's got two good quotes I like. One of them is, live like no one now so you can live like no one later. Yeah. And cash is king. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. So, so I mean, we, we've, we've, been, we've been doing the program for a long, years and years and years. Yeah, so it's important. I mean, part of his plan is there's a whole kind of thing to get out of debt. Once you're out of debt, save up three to six months worth of expenses. Um, and that, you know, if you can, if you can store up some cash, especially with some of the stuff that's happening in the world right now, I think it's wise to have some cash stored. And if you want to get into like, a, you know, yes, <laughs> other things, silver, gold, you know, um, silver, silver's, you know, relatively easier to, to get access to. It's cheaper. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, if you don't have right, if you don't have any money and the, the debit machines go out, and like, what do you do? Which is a whole other topic too, right? Your yeah. financial. What you're touching on, Jimmy, is extremely important. The financial stability of the family. 
Um, and then the whole barter system, right? Like consider some people suggest even if you don't consume certain items that you know will be a hot item, if something does happen, buy a couple and keep them because you may have to trade for some bandages or something like that. Which, who knows, right? Like, we, we live in a society today where we seem to think nothing bad's going to happen. But uh, we'd be the only ones in history if it didn't, <laughs> right? But, no, this has been good. Any final words? I have one. Um, we can talk about this all the time. But at the end of the day, if a person's soul isn't right with Christ, None of this really matters. Mm -hmm. So as the quote that I always like to say, life is short, death is sure, sin the cause, Christ the cure. How about for you, Jimmy? Uh, how, how can I beat that? I don't know. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty good. Uh, yeah, I guess going back to just the whole prepping theme, I mean, that can even be a tool for evangelism, right? If, if things, you know, it's like, well, is there going to be like a nuclear holocaust? Well, who knows? But even if just prices of things go up and inflation keeps going up and your neighbor's struggling and you do have extra stuff yeah. and you know they're struggling, you know, give them a bag of rice or whatever and stick a tract on there or talk, you know, let them know. Yeah. Yep. Talk to them. I think that's that's a that's really keeping our our mind on Christ, right? We're we're not here just to to live, and and try to survive. The Christian life is one of giving, yeah, and one of glorifying Christ, and one of sharing Him to others, and sharing the gospel. So how do we? And so I love Jimmy how you have brought this topic really into uh, evangelism given it that that emphasis of you know we can actually use this in order to share the gospel with others yeah all right well on that word i'm going to give you i'm going to let you say that your quote one more time because i i dragged it on oh okay well it's it's worth repeating life is short death is sure sin the cause Christ the cure. Until next time.